back. What's up, JT? You could use that. You could use that. I'm just saying. Would have worked. Maybe I am using it, and you just don't know that we've actually started right now. Or maybe this is that part you're going to cut out, like I always make you do. Can you can you put it? No, I'm I'm, I'm just messing. It is fun to be back. If if we are back, <laughs> we're are back. We back? Yeah, we're back right now. I was going to try to do a lead in, but you jumped the you jumped the shark, and now we're just here. We're just going to live here. Well, I was listening to you last week, and you kind of gave me a couple of nice little shout outs there, and I was like, well, I should be the one to do the and we're back thing. Well, we're back, Jer. Hi. <laughs> Howdy. It's almost like our podcast is having a resurgence of sorts. Oh my God, look at the tie-in. The unintentional, truly, genuinely on-the-fly tie-in. I'm so proud. It's so nice to have you back in the seat, bud. It really is. (laughs) Well, it's good to be here. I got to say, fully recharged. Of the things I missed on vacation, podcasting with you was one of them. Oh, that's very sweet. Did you have a good time? Don't, Don't go into details. You had a great time, though? I had an amazing time. It was, as the locals would call it, unbelievable. Oh, look at you. You just like fall into the puns today. I'm liking this. This is a good start. <laughs> you better believe it. Okay. Uh, so we are back. Uh, Jeremy's back from a, a very well-deserved vacation, one where he looks rested. I have a funny feeling I'm going to get absolutely run over by how much better you will be at this week than me, but that's okay. Uh, we are talking about... The top five career resurgences that we hope would happen. Yeah, or that we want. Or just want. want. Yeah. Yeah, we're hoping like casting directors aplenty are listening to this here podcast. Of course they are. And like, oh, I hadn't thought about uh, that person in quite some time. Let's bring them on back. Well, we're a pretty big deal in Armenia. So if there's any casting directors in Armenia, I think it's gonna we're going to pop these people's career. But Jeremy, since you had some time off, how was it coming back to the list of making? This was a lot of fun. This this list, I, I've got to say, my notes went much deeper than I usually might. And maybe, again, making up for the time off, maybe just because I'm so full of full of unbelievable experience. Uh, I can't do it anymore. Uh, I was great. I I came up with a criteria set pretty fast on this one. So for me, I went with the following. I have effectively true resurgence as a concept. In other words, they had to have actually been big in some way to begin with. So they couldn't have just been some, like I had some minor actors who I really liked in the eighties or nineties, but I sort of was like, well, how big were they? And, And my example being here, not to, well, I don't know if it's going to mess with your list. We'll, we'll get to it if we need. Well, I, I know this one's definitely not on your list. One of the actors I had originally was Rick Rosovich, uh, who was in ER for like the first season. He was also in Top Gun, right? He, yep. he did some stuff in the 80s. I always liked him as an actor. I was like, that guy, you know, he seems like a fun guy. Let's see more of him. And I sort of also had to realize he was never actually that big. So a career resurgence doesn't play out. Makes sense. I also had that they could not have had any kind of, they could have continued acting throughout, but they couldn't have had anything that would be either a high visibility or like a real zeitgeist type of performance. So for, here's an example that, I, that I'm comfortable giving, like Winona Ryder came to mind and I was like, well, wait a sec, she's now prominent on Stranger Things, which is like a big deal show. Yeah. If, if she was prominent on like some obscure show on the military channel that has seven people who watch it, it would be, I would have still allowed for the resurgence. Got it. Um, and 
I also think, and this was again a limiting factor, they must be able to have more of a career. So I picked someone out. I was like, oh, what happened to them? And then I looked at it. They're 82. And that doesn't mean like, you know, I'm not being ageist here. It's just there's not as many opportunities nor necessarily desires for an 82-year-old man or woman to come back to acting that much. Yeah. So, uh, and then finally, no inclusion of people who just sort of suck. In other words, if they got their careers um, sort of ended because they did some stupid thing or, or were turned out to just be a terrible person, that's that they don't get their way back through my list. Got it. All right. That all makes sense. So, I enjoyed. How about you? So pretty similar thought process, maybe a little bit different. So my thing, the thing I struggled the most with was trying to like land on resurgence, like literally like, okay, so does that mean they stopped acting or do they just not that not like act as much? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of like hard to be honest. Like I had a hard time putting this together because I went up with a lot of people on the list and then I was like, I don't know, I could make an argument that they still kind of exist and then there were people I had a very similar thing with you where I was like, eh, this person's actually not that interesting. So what I had mm. to land on was I basically was like at their peak when you were like, this is like the, this is, this person is, this is like who they are at their absolute best. And I want them to get back to that level again, which requires access to better scripts or whatever. Right. So that's sort of was like, that's how I wound up orienting it. Um, I definitely think we're going to have some generational stuff in this episode faux show. Uh, but in general, it was like, it was, it was, it was a fun list to put together in the sense that it was easy. Cause I was, there was a, I wound up with like 30 or 40 people where I was like, I wish they would do more stuff. But some of people, like there was a couple people I found where I was like, oh, they work. I just don't see anything they're in apparently. And so I like some of those people did get discounted for me where I was like, "Ah, I can't really use you, which so my ultimate litmus test was if this person landed a role in a huge movie recently, do I think my friends would be like, oh, it's so good to see he or she back. Like that was kind of like the orienting thing, right? Like the people would be excited to be like, oh my God, it's blow, it's so-and-so. Like that's was that's what I was trying to land on. And I think it, I think it served me pretty well. Uh, my list is a little chaotic. I'm not going to lie. And I didn't do nearly the research I think you did because literally these are just people that I just wanted to talk about. So I was like, Meh. I'll just talk about how the, how I like these people and the roles I thought they were the best in. So we'll see what's going to happen. I don't know. <laughs> we're we're going to have a good old time. I, I like that last criteria. The one that came to mind, by the way, while generating the list, the actor that came to mind was John Ritter, who uh, you yeah. don't know from Three's Company, but I sure do. No, I like, come and knock on our door. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, but I saw it on syndication every day for like four years. Right. right? I, like, I saw it on Nick at Night, so. <laughs> Yeah, I, I grew up with like Three's Company, Gilligan's Island, and like two other terribly mediocre shows from like four to six p.m. every day. Right. So when John Ritter appeared in Sling Blade as this dramatic performance that was actually really good, and then unfortunately passed away shortly thereafter, that was the wow. I, I would have liked a lot more John Ritter, and so that's that helped me channel a lot of this list. Yeah, which that sounds like a list, by the way. Like, we should definitely do that list at some point, right? Actors who we lost too soon. Oh, that's yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so let's get into it, which means uh, we're going to do The Shawshank. So for those of you who don't know, The Shawshank is the most rewatchable movie from our very first episode ever. So is there a defining actor, and I'm using actor for the rest of this episode in the sense of male and female, uh, defining actor who you think 
defines the career resurgence. I do not have a Shawshank, but I have a very special game I want to play during Shawshank. But before we do that, I think we should go to see if you have a Shawshank. I do have a Shawshank. Proceed. Okay. So this Shawshank is because I think universally by everyone forever, they just wanted this person to come back. Like forever. And recently he was in the news again and not because he's an actor, because of something that happened. So he was born on April 18th of 1953. Let me see if this is someone from one of my lists. Oh, uh, I know who you're talking. Yeah, this is in my top five. Okay. Then- uh, I'm, I'm assu- I didn't have the, I have the month and year. So give me one more piece of information about said actor. This person was in Little Giants and Brewster's Millions. Also in Ghostbusters and Flintstones. Then, yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about Sir Rick Moranis. Sir Rick Moranis. Yeah. yeah. So- I'm happy to defer a conversation because if he still if he remains in your top five, I think that's totally fair. The reason I thought he was Shawshankable is I think if you were to Google actors you wish came back or something to that effect, I feel like Rick Moranis, because of why he left, because of how loved he was universally, would just be like the guy that everybody goes, oh, Rick Moranis, I wish he'd come back. I think that's a fair statement. I think, uh, he, you know, especially because it's it was a voluntary departure from Hollywood. Yeah. And yeah, so... I would like to talk about him, but I respect the Shawshank placement. Fair. All right. So, JT, there are six performers you and I enjoy talking about quite often. This is great. So we're just going to do a very quick splash through all six of them as potential Shawshanks for for today's episode. So I'm going to give you a name and their last prominent role, and then we're going to decide... What, what's going on? Should they be way bigger today or maybe not? Okay. All right. Uh, so Nick Cage yep. will be the first name I'll give you. His last his last really mainstream prominent thing was a, was a sort of, a, I'd say, a cameo voice in the Spider-Verse movie. Sure. Right, which was fun in, but just a voice. His last real performance that made mainstream success were 2010's both Kick-Ass and The Sorcerer's Apprentice. He's spent 12 years since doing nothing but direct-to-DVD-slash-streaming releases. Correct. Is the mainstream movie-slash-TV industry ready for Nick Cage to be back in the spotlight? So he's about to do a movie, I think, called like The Last Pig or something, and he gained a ton of weight for it. Um, Or just had gained a ton of weight. I don't know. It's Nick Cage. He could... He's a very interesting cat. You never really know what's going on. Um, I don't know. This is interesting. I think this is kind of like, this reminds me of SVP and Rosillo used to do overrated, underrated, appropriately rated. <laughs> ah. I feel like that's kind of what we're doing here. Like, so for, for Cage right now, I, I'm good with where he is. I think he's fine. I think Cage needs to have, keep doing what he's doing, but once or twice a decade, have a national treasure, a kick ass. Like kick ass was particularly fun because it was a bit of a different role for him. I don't love the movie, to be honest. But There's one scene in Kick-Ass that is so hard to watch with him because it is just the most overacting Cage can do, which is yeah. a lot of overacting. Like, it's a lot. And I get it's like that was the point. That was the shtick. But oy, oy, oy. <laughs> Yeah, I think about once a decade, I want to give him a role that they instead keep giving to Liam Neeson who I'll talk about a little bit later and uh, just throw it over to cage for, for a different take on it. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I, I'm good with cage once a decade. I like that. All right. Uh, Dennis Quaid. 
He's currently filming a movie called Reagan in which he plays Reagan. And having reviewed his career, he's never actually changed status. He's basically always been a, I, I don't know how the industry does stuff. I would say like a B plus list. He's, he's yeah. not a list kind of draw, but he's a guy that, that always has starry performances. He's not been regulated to character actor or anything like that. Uh, and people seem to like him quite a bit. Yeah, appropriately rated. Like, I think he did yeah. a dog's purpose recently. Like, you know, he was yeah. amazing and in good company. He's just like a really good, like, middling is offensive, but like, that's sort of like, he's just like a, yeah, I like him. I don't think he should be bigger. I certainly don't want him to do less work. I like him right where he is. Good. Uh, James Hong. He's big. He's currently doing the Gremlins uh, animated series voice. He's most prominently recently done Kung Fu Panda voices. But on screen, his last two big things were in 2008, The Day the Earth Stood Still, and in 2002, Jet Li's Hero. Which is amazing. I feel we're not getting enough David Lopan in our mainstream movies these days. What do you think? So I could make an argument for why I'd like to see more of him, but he also is pretty old. Like, like it, he's got to be in his 90s. Like, he's been around. For, oh, yeah. He's been around for a hot minute. So if... If it was the right role, I'm all in some more David Lopan for sure. Okay. Yeah. Nicole Kidman. She's fine. Uh, right where she is. She's fine. Yep. Yeah. The last big thing was big, the Big Little Lies series. And I think we've certainly reached the era where a big TV show is as equivalent as a big movie, if not even bigger sometimes. Yeah. I could make an argument for less Kidman. Um but I'm not going to because I feel like it's rude. But I think she's fine where she is. I don't want her to. I would. I don't want her to resurge. I think she's fine right where she's at. Just current surge. Yeah. Just stay on the stay on the path. You're good. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Skeet Ulrich, whose last big thing was Scream in '96. Though he did have uh, he was in Newton Boys in '98, but not as big. Scream was his biggest anything. Yeah. So first of all, Newton Boys is like big time. Re- re- like like rewatchable. It's actually a very fun movie. Um, it's like Vincent D'Onofrio and Matthew McConaughey. That's like actually a pretty good little trope. Um, I was excited for this one. The second you said we were going to do this, I'm like, I want to talk about Skeet Ulrich. Dude, I would love to see Skeet come back. I would love it. Like the, everything I've ever seen him in, I actually think he's like the discount Johnny Depp thing is like very funny, but like he also does have like genuine depth and like there's something he has like a sort of mystery about him. I'm totally into Skeet getting like a good role. Like let's get more Skeet. I'm in. It's funny you say that. I'm in the same camp. He was in my Pong list, actually. And then I decided to do this. And so, I, so I, I, I'm so I, cheating. You cheated. <laughs> but yeah, agreed. And now for for the main attraction. Yeah. Last prominent role, 1997. Yeah. Titanic. Yeah. Billy Zane needs to be a, a bigger actor. Hard stop. Absolutely. His Instagram is fire. His Instagram yeah. is absolutely fire. I love Billy Zane and I want Billy Zane in all the things, all the time. Can I can I pitch you what I want? Yeah. I don't exactly know the story. I, no story particular. I just want a buddy movie that is Billy Zane and and ready? Jeff Goldblum. Oh my god. The yeah, sure. Just like just do just do. Just whatever. Just just do stuff. I actually, I want to like take that for like, not only buddy, I want it to be like a buddy heist comedy, like just something like just really weird. Yeah. Cause like the, the, both of them can play the upper echelon elitist aristocratic weird stuff. They should be art thieves and like the weirdest way, like you should pink Panther yeah. art thieves. I green light that movie today. I'd love it. 
or or detectives trying to track down an art thief or something like that. Like they're they're chasing Skeet. Skeet is the thief, and those two are there the detectives go. trying to get him. They're like insurance guys. They're the insurance guys trying to find the art yeah. thief, and the art thief is Skeet Ulrich. Somebody write this movie. And then you got Nick Cage as like a Lev Grossman style character. Right. In the end, for no reason. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Okay. We've established that. Good stuff. Uh, I think it's time to hit the actual top fives. And I think you go first this week. Hey, you remembered. Look at you. Hey, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't have a particular order, but actually, since we brought up uh, Miranda, I'm going to just start right there. As we said, April 53, so the man's 69 years old, maybe 68, depending on his birthday. Uh, No, I guess he has to be 68. Yeah, math is hard. (laughs) So my five words, by the way, were never impacted real children's heights. Oh, that's very good. Mine was just A, you hoser. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Here's his run for a second. Okay, so this starts with Strange Brew from there, which is his first title. He goes on to do Ghostbusters, Brewster's Millions, Little Shop of Horrors, Spaceballs, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Parenthood, My Blue Heaven, uh, and that kind of ends the main run. And there's other stuff in there, the sequels and things like that. His last then thing after that is he has a cameo, a a cute cameo in a movie called L.A. Story, which I don't remember if you're familiar with. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's one of my, like, I love that movie. it, It has to make my top five sooner or later. Uh, and then basically does a bunch of meh comedies in the 90s and then retires in 97 to take care of his kids. Yep. What an amazing run. I mean, even if you look at actors like Eddie Murphy and John Candy, Tom Hanks, whoever did comedies in the 80s, pick anybody, there's not a lot of runs like Mr. Moranis had. No, there's really not. It's insane. Yeah, especially because he wasn't the writer. You know what I mean? Like, as the guy being cast, it's, it's not like he got Apatow into every movie or it's like Eddie Murphy who was writing the stuff. Like, everybody wanted a piece of him because he was great and he nailed all of it. Nailed it all. Not only that, what I love about him is he's the, he's almost like the antithesis of a Hollywood leading man, right? He's, yeah. You know, he's a short, he doesn't, he's not like a, a big, boisterous, classically handsome guy. He's, He's kind of like your friendly neighbor that you just kind of want to hang out with. Yeah. So I would love to see a run of more comedies. You know, he chose not to be in the Ghostbusters uh, um, reboot, whatever that was called. Yeah. Basically saying like, just because I played a part in the movie 20 years ago, why do you want me playing a different part in the movie with the same title? Yeah. Which is a great answer. Yeah. He's the best. Yeah. So I, I agreed. I'm glad you you had him in your uh, in your bailiwick here is that the right use of bailiwick i don't know jeff will tell us okay (laughs) and uh so yeah bring back rick yeah bring back rick hashtag love it uh yeah he's great he's great and and it's it, it is interesting he's an interesting kind of case study because like he really doesn't there's nothing about him when you see him that you would go that guy's definitely going to be like an a list actor but like he can really act. Like he's just such a good actor and he's so much fun and he's so believable. And like even just the arc of like looking at him in Ghostbusters versus like Little Shop of Horrors versus Honey I Shrunk the Kids, like very different people and very believable in every instance. Like he's a really, really, really strong actor. Yeah. I love Rick Moranis. I hope he comes back. I think he's supposed to be doing something. That's what I was about to get to. He's he's doing a movie now called Shrunk. And we we know the universe that that's playing in. 
Yeah. And I just hope it's great. I, ho- I hope, I hope it's great. And he loves doing it and we love seeing him in it. And then we just get 10 more, 10 more years of great Miranda's comedies or, or whatever I could, by the way, to your point, I could see him taking on some kind of interestingly dark or heavy role and crushing it. Yeah, absolutely. Like there's no, there's, there's a lot of depth in him just in general. So like I could see him being again, like he's a horrible person, but like I could almost see him doing a spacey like sort Mm. of thing. You know what I mean? Like I could see him being, dark and charming like he's got it man he's just the best and also whoever hit him on the upper west side you're the worst person on the planet <laughs> uh all right my first pick i think this is going to be my most controversial one um but i don't care uh october 3rd 1964 i will give you sin city and shoot him up sin city shoot him up so shoot him up had Clive Owen had Paul Giamatti. Um, who else was in Shoot 'Em Up? And I don't remember. Okay, let's go to Sin Sin City, not Spin City. No, Sin City. Sin City. Oh, right. Wait, is it Clive Owen? It's Clive Owen. Okay. So here's the argument. Okay. What were your What were your five words? Best use of slag ever. Hmm. In closer. So he has 79 acting credits. 14 of those are from 2015 on. And that was 2015 was kind of like my resurgence. Like if it's been five plus years. So 2015 is like a, a line I drew in the sand for sure. Agreed. Of those, almost all of them are TVs and shorts. Like that's it's almost all of it. I think he has like one good movie there. But listen to this run for this five year run from 01 to 06. Gosford Park, Born Identity, King Arthur, Closer, Sin City, Inside Man and Children of Men. I think I've seen all of those. I, although I actually have closer back on my list as I, I can't remember if I saw it and got to rewatch it. Just, just to watch those first 10 minutes and be like, did I see this or not? Kind of thing. Uh, he's great. I, I'm, I'm fully on board. Keep going, buddy. Yeah. So he was sort of my, like, he was my ultimate, not my penultimate, but my ultimate sort of, is this the right thing to do? Because he is still working. But my argument is if you look at that run, that five year run, Dude, he just looked like he was going to be like a Denzel Washington, like, oh my God, everything this guy touches is gold and he'll be in all the movies forever. And I kind of want him to be. So you just mentioned Closer. Like if you, I've talked about Closer on the podcast before. It's genuinely one of my favorite sort of like random movies. Uh, His performance is so good. Like it's so good. Uh, And he just has so much, I don't want to say depth again, because I just said it with, with Moranis, but like, I don't know. There's just nothing I don't think he can do. Like he was so good in Inside Man. He was kind of like, you know, swarmy and charming. And then King Arthur, he's like this big brooding guy. And then in Closer, he's like just an absolute despondent jerk, but like really confident. I just think Clive Owen should be a big, big deal. And I think movie nerds love Clive Owen. Like if you're a big movie fan, you're like, oh, Clive Owen's great. But I think if you ask like a standard moviegoer, like, what do you think of Clive Owen? I think there's a good chance a lot of people might be like, who? Like, I don't know that people really think of him. And that's crazy because he's a better actor than a lot of famous people. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think he's definitely a that guy for a lot of people. Like, if you were to, if you were to, I, I would describe Clive Owen if they didn't know those movies as the, uh, one of the, the, the assassin from Board Identity right. in the field. Yeah, that's, I, that's I was. The, yeah. That's perfect. Like if you showed people his picture, they'd be like, oh, the, the guy from Bourne. And it's like, no, that's Clive right. Owen. Like you need to understand right. how good Clive Owen is. So he was sort of my ultimate pick of 
He is well-respected. I do think he's had a great career. He clearly is choosing the stuff he wants very carefully. But I want Hollywood to come calling for him and just let him be the star that I fully believe he's capable of. Yeah, he feels like the actor that never got that A-list shot. He needed one role. Yep. Yeah, I think it's closer and Inside Man and even Children of Men where he he really was the male lead. Yeah. But it's not that kind of – it's funny. It's one of those movie people's movies – super well regarded didn't do that great and didn't really give him a chance to show a leading man style performance right and the thing that's weird about closer and i think closer could have been the breakout and i think for a lot of people who love cinema it was but he's next to an amazing jude law performance an incredible julia uh, julia roberts performance and natalie portman at like Sort of the first time that she allowed herself to be sexualized again because she really didn't do that because of how traumatizing Leon was for her. So, Mm -hmm. like, it was a really, like, there was a lot of other narratives happening around Closer for good reason. But Clive Owen's performance in that is a standout against three Academy Award winning actors. (laughs) Like, he's so good. Like, oh, man, I just love this dude and I want him to work. And I I think you said it perfectly. I want him to get that one role where everybody goes, holy smoke, that guy. And then I think yeah. we'd be good. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm going to play off a theme for a second, just going actually by the year to start. Sure. So I'm going to go to October of 1967. Okay. Uh, for whatever reason, I wrote down the country or state that they were born in. So I'll give you Georgia. Interesting. State, not country. Gotcha. I don't know what the Georgian uh, acting community has produced. I will give you two roles, Hook and Conspiracy Theory. Ooh. Ooh. Hook. I love Hook. And I'm trying to think of who in Hook didn't get famous enough. And the only guy I can think of off the top of my head is uh, Smee, but I don't remember the actor's name. That's Bob Hoskins, and that is... Thank you. Incorrect. All right. Well, it can't be Dustin Hoffman. Um, it definitely isn't Robin Williams. So keep going. What are the five words? Slippery little suckers, aren't they? Slippery little suckers, aren't they? Huh. That was a really poor delivery of that. Uh, again, just a little misleadingly. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Um, you away from it, not towards you. Yeah, what's tough about this is that I really know Hook pretty well. Like I've seen that movie a billion times. So trying to run through who else is in that movie that's like an act. Oh, wait a minute. No, it can't be. I was going to say Glenn Close. No, she's not in that movie. Yes, she is. She's an extra. She's an extra on the ship. She's one of the pirates. Oh, really? Yeah. No, this is my semi-controversial choice. I'll just go. I'll, I'll just, that'll be my final clue. I haven't said the person, right? Right? Nope. Okay, then I have no... I, I can't think of anybody else who was in that movie other than Julia Roberts, which it's not her. It's her. It's Julia, Ro- it's Julia Roberts? Yeah. And I'm going to explain myself for a moment. I already think I like this, but I, I do want you to explain it. All right. So Julia Roberts is has not stopped at, has not stopped at acting. Blah. She's still there, right? She's got a show on Apple TV Plus right now. Um, but she's not where I think she could be and more to the point should be. So here's this highlight reel, if you will. Um, 
So her last, okay, so I already wrote this down. The last notable role, like the last thing where people are like, oh, Julia Roberts, are the following two movies, August Osage County, which indie, and Larry Crown, which is sort of a mediocre Tom Hanks movie. Yeah. Now hear this, starting in, in I think it was 88, Mystic Pizza, still, no, earlier, sorry, mid-80s. Mystic Pizza, Steel Magnolias, Pretty Woman, Flatliners, Sleeping with the Enemy, Dying Young, Hook, The Player, The Pelican Brief, and then I Love Treble. I didn't, I think I skipped one title in that run. Okay, so that's, right? And then she gets into, actually, as of I Love Treble, she gets into this middling set, like six movies in a row that are all kind of eh. Nothing like, no embarrassments, just kind of eh. But then she gets right back on top and she's got My Best Friend's Wedding, Conspiracy Theory, Notting Hill, Aaron Brockovich, and, and a great something beyond cameo but not full leading lady status in Ocean's Eleven. Uh-huh. And then a long, long bunch of meh and non-impactful movies in the 2010s. So what I guess I'm I'm, I'm arguing is that Julia's Julia Julia I was about to say Julia Louis Dreyfus Julia Roberts' influence in dramatic performances through the '90s. The only comparison I'm going to make to any other celebrity is Schwarzenegger dominating action movies in the '80s. Yeah, she owned Hollywood. She was the A-lister of A-listers, and now she does act, and she's still just as wonderful an actress, but. I'm dying to have her like own vehicles, right? And she's not like in a Charlize Theron kind of way where she's going to do action movies. I mean, she could, but she's got the chops, especially the way they cut action movies these days. But I'm going to argue that, you know, as she's hitting her late 50s or mid 50s and, and into late, we could see a lot more Julia Roberts out there. She could be mainstreaming, whether it's a big TV series, not a little TV series. She should be zeitgeist A plus level in my opinion yeah so when you first said it my brain couldn't process because i'm like but she's julia roberts like she's just already julia roberts but then instantly i started going okay but when was the last time she was really julia roberts to me and realistically i think you're right like the funny enough just because i just said clive owen so they were in closer together which was 2014 mm-hmm. they were also then in um or that was it was before 2014 and then it was they were in duplicity together which is actually a really underrated movie and she was great in, and so was he um but then like yeah like she had small stuff in charlie wilson's war i loved her in that movie aaron brockovich is a standout performance of my lifetime like when Absolutely. people talk about acting, like I think, oh, Aaron Brockovich, like Julie Roberts and Aaron Brockovich, like that's the best you can do. <laughs> like, yep. It's a great example. So I think this is a really fun pick. I actually don't think this should be, I have no, I don't think anyone can argue this. She should still be a bigger deal. I a hundred percent think this is a great, a great choice. Thanks buddy. I, I think a lot of it has to do, we've talked about this before is the trouble Hollywood's had in just dealing with women's roles and, and actresses. But so I, I think Hollywood started to figure out what to do. And, and actually we'll talk about her later in the show, talk about with people like Emma Stone uh, and even Charlize Theron. And then you have like at the other end, you've got like your Hel- Helen Mirren's and, and uh, Dame, not Dame Edna. Dame Judy Dench. <laughs> Dame Julie, D- Judy Dench um, that are able to take those kind of much more senior roles. They're just not a lot of spots for women in their, in their fifties who, by the way, look like women in their forties, you know. So I, I'm going to go right into my next pick. You just, you're, you're helping me 
So you, there's, there's a clue here, clearly, but that's fine. Uh, November 16th, 1961. The two movies I'll give you are Courage Under Fire and The Doors. Oh, uh, I had The Presidio and The Doors. Okay. What was your so, five words? Tell me about Sally today. I'll have what she's having. Nice. Okay. This is in my pong, though, to be fair. Okay, good. So this one is firmly planted in my top five. And it's Meg Ryan, if you haven't if you haven't gotten there yet, right? 51 acting credits, 93 to 98. Listen to this run. Sleepless in Seattle, when a man loves a woman, courage under fire, addicted to love, city of angels. Also, yep. 90s JT, baby 90s JT. So not like Meg Ryan started before me, right? Like this is before I was, she was well established into the 80s. But like she was a big deal. Like I felt like Meg Ryan was like one of the big movie stars. Like it was like her, Julia Roberts, like Helen Hunt had a place there for a while. But if you look at her IMDb, dude, Hollywood ghosted her. And I don't know if that's because she chose to or not, but it's exactly the same thing that you were just saying. That's why I put her down. Because for me, I was like, she just, I wrote down, there's just this middle part where she got too young to, she was too young to be the old woman or you're not young enough to be the love interest. And she was just, she was, she was gone. Like she's just gone. Now she can come back and play like the older woman, right? Which is, I remember that was always like Diane Keaton, right? <laughs> like I got right. Diane Keaton version of that, right? Or you got Bette Midler. But like Meg Ryan was incredible and she was a blockbuster. Everything she was in was so good. And I just think she's in that unfortunate time frame where she was on the cusp of Hollywood getting better, but she was just a little too early. And now it's starting, just now it's finally starting to get better, but we easily missed 10 to 15 years of her still being dynamically, incredibly good that she just didn't get cast in because it went to, and you can see the movies of people who look like Meg Ryan. Yeah, it's sort of not what happened, buddy. I went and did some homework on this one. Oh, see, I didn't. I didn't do any homework. Well, what I did was for the ones where I really couldn't figure out what happened. Like, you don't have to Google Julia Roberts. Like, there's not, because she's still been acting the whole time. Whereas Meg Ryan and a couple others in my list just seem to have, as you said, sort of vanished. So she did this movie called In the Cut. And it was an R-rated movie. And she's uh, she has nude scenes in it. And it's uh, a grittier performance, per se. Okay. Um, I... I I don't remember if there's a sexual assault scene or just some um, heavy petting, whatever it might be. Uh, the thing that happened, it wasn't so much that she did this role and couldn't pull it off. They didn't publicize the role as it was supposed to have been publicized. So this is, and then in her interviews, she never really acknowledged that and, and sort of tried to brush by it. And so what happened was all these people who are expecting the next Meg Ryan, America sweetheart kind of movies. Oh, wow. Went, went to see this, you know, tough watch, more intense watch. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of movie that you're not going to watch with your mom, you know? Right. Yeah. So she has this performance. And then during the interviews, in fact, I watched one where someone asks her, so don't you think maybe you should have told your fans? Like, this is the kind of movie I'm doing. Cause the promotional for it also, it, it's certainly bordered on risque, but not like, heavy risque okay and her attitude was like what you know i don't understand why like it's just a performance in a movie and it's a good movie and i did a good performance and it was sort of like not recognizing that hey everybody loves me because i'm sally and i'm the i'm the sleepless in the seattle and i'm that 
uh, and now I'm somebody else. And basically Hollywood was just like, we're done. And that's what happened. That's crazy. Well, I'm glad you researched it because I clearly didn't because it definitely felt like to me, like without doing the research, you're just like Meg Ryan was America's sweetheart. Like she was, she was everything. And she was great. All the dimples. All the dimples. All the dimples. She's a great actress. She was so sweet. Like she was great. And she really is a great actress. Um, well, I wanted to research. I wanted to research mostly so I didn't get up here and say, "Oh, how about this person?" and be like, "Oh, well, that person is actually a terrible person," because there's definitely those. Yeah. Well, so I did enough digging to know that she didn't get canceled. Like I knew yeah. that, but I didn't dig into why she didn't get more roles. It just clearly was she sort of like stopped getting roles. But okay. Well, hey, listen. Today I learned Meg Ryan uh, did a movie and uh, presented it poorly to the, her fans. That's good to know. There you go. All right, uh, and yeah, I learned Pong. I. I I think that that's not a good reason for her to career. Like that's an old school reason that I get it these days, these days you do that movie and you just get more offers, right? Like, right. Like the comparison I have, and I'll talk about her also later is Scarlett Johansson, who was a similar kind of sweetheart role and then did a couple of months like uh, in the skin and John, was it John, John? Uh, I don't know. There's a movie with um, the guy who plays Robin. You know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. No idea? None. Uh, from Inception and um, all those movies. It doesn't Joseph, really matter. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yeah. JGL. Oh, that guy. Don, Don John. Don John. Yeah. JGL. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you, you see how today ScarJo can go do that with her performances. But like in the in the skin was marketed at like you knew there was nudity coming. Right. I actually never saw it. I, I heard it was a so-so movie. I didn't see it. I did see the Don John one and it was... It was fun. It was. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that one. By the way, my wife and I were on a date night without having seen trailers. We're like, "Oh, well, yeah, this, this is different. This is not what we were expecting. Yeah, this yeah. is not the rom com we thought it might be." That's my. You'll you'll notice that theme, by the way, JT. Same with like when we did breakfast at Tiffany's. Like we're like, "Oh, this will be a fun date night." Oh no! no <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. Two down. Let's do number three. 19, July of 1956. Okay. Born in Alabama. Okay. Roles include Tombstone and The Abyss. Okay. Um, the Abyss is a movie you explained to me, and I've still never seen it. <laughs> uh, but I do know a lot about it because of this podcast. Uh, Tombstone's a great movie. Also, a lot of people in that movie. Um, so that's helpful in the sense that like it's narrowing, but not helpful because a lot of them are all pretty famous. All right, what's your five words? I cannot give that order. I cannot give that order. Ugh. And I'm just going to tell you, that is from a movie that you and I both like quite a bit. Okay. Independence Day? <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. no. Uh, I just got Bill, Bill Pullman in my head for some reason. I don't know what this is, um, but I'm excited. So if I told you that that's, that's from The Rock? Okay. So I cannot give that order. Oh, wait. Okay, I'm trying to think of who said I cannot give that order. It was... Um, Tell your man to stand down. I, yeah, I cannot give that order. Give no. him that order. I cannot give him that ah! Yeah, I can't think of who said that, though. In that scene is John C. McGinley and Ed Harris. Um, and one more. And one more. Oh, gosh. 
I'm going to hate right, myself. Moving on. Yeah, tell me. Yeah. Who is it? So the actor's name is Michael Bean. Michael Bean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And, you know, younger viewers might recognize him from a cameo in The Mandalorian this past season. That's right. Who, when he walked on screen, I spent the entire 10 minutes like, I know who this is. Who is this? Why? Who? Who is this? This is someone from my childhood. What's his name? Who is this guy? And I really didn't get it until the, I, I had a hunch and then the credits and I was like, okay, good. So ready for the, uh, ready for the, the real here? Yeah, of course. Okay. So his last notable title was The Rock in 1996. But before that, Terminator as the hero, Aliens as the hero, The Seventh Sign as the hero, The Abyss as co-hero, uh, a, a couple of crappy movies, Tombstone, a bunch of other crappy things, and then The Rock as one of the heroes. Pretty good. And that's it. And I'm like, what? So it turns out he was supposed to have been cast in Avatar uh, because James Cameron, if you know something about those titles, Terminator, Aliens, The Rock. Uh, sorry, not The Rock, but Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss. You got James Cameron over there. Sure. So he was like James Cameron's go-to guy. When they cast Sigourney Weaver, they made the call that it would be too much of an Aliens repeat. Ah, that's a bummer. He was also supposed to have been cast in Aliens 3 to repeat the role of Hicks and was just killed off instead. Aww. So, bottom, and by the way, the, the story on Avatar was apparently in the not cool James, not cool list. Like, found out just a little while before shooting started that he actually wasn't going to be cast in that kind of oh, thing. Oh, that's bad for him. But this guy, like any, I'll just tell you the comp for any movie, especially action movies that you've ever seen Mr. Bruce Willis in, put in Michael Bean. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying he's a better actor than Bruce or anything like that, but I would love to see him even in a Clive Owen kind of way. This guy owned action movies. He has that kind of grit and intensity on screen where he could be parlaying those roles. He could be an old general in any any kind of like uh, Independence Day style movie where you got the uh, the dark room with a bunch of generals sitting around a table. Right. Put him there. Put him leading some charge. But again, any Liam Neeson part. Right. He's not yeah. that much older, and he actually has that like strong action acting bit. So I miss Michael Bean, and I want more Michael Bean. So I will tell you, the internet agrees with you. Because as I always do, when I when my, when my list is done, I will do one quick check of, and this was a hard one because like how to word this in the Google is not simple. So went and found it. And on, I found two lists that were just like 10 actors we wish were back. And both of them, Michael Bean was number one on one of the lists and like number three on the other. And in both nice. instances for me, I was like, I can't talk staunchly enough about this guy. Right. I know him and he, but he for me is totally a that guy. I would have been like, oh, right. you were in the, in the uh, you're from The Rock. Like, he's not a, oh my God, it's Michael Bean. I wish he was famous. So I'm, I'm, the internet will be happy that you came to his aid. <laughs> I'm always here for Bean. For Bean. <laughs> Gotta be Mr. here for Bean. Beans. Mr. Bean. For Mr. Bean. Okay. My next one is, uh, I'm cheating. It's two people. I'm just going to tell you now. It's, uh, it's two people. I'll give you both their birthdays. Uh, and then I'm going to give you the two movies that they're both in together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so March 8th, 1976 and April 14th, 1977. The two movies I will give you are Scooby-Doo and She's All That. 
Okay, so I'm just going to go. So this is your generation. Yep, big time. So th- Sorry, these are two different people. Were they both in both of these movies? They're both in those movies. So these two, pe- I got it. I'm, I'm pretty sure this is channeling some 90s working in the video store memory, but I'm pretty sure we got Matthew Lillard nope. and Freddie Prinze Jr. So Pre- Freddie Prinze Jr. is one of them. Yes. Okay, yes. but not Lillard. Not Lillard. I was, by the way, I was like money on JT picking Matthew Lillard today. So Matthew Lillard 100% was on the table. (laughs) But what happened is I thought of this instead, and this made me happy because I'm like, I could pick them both. And so I got to pick them both. This is purely a nostalgic pick, by the way, but I don't care. So it's Freddie. Is it, um, is this, is it Buffy? Is it Sarah Michelle Geller? Yes, it is. She was in my contender area for a while. So, Look, <laughs> purely generationally, you've got Buffy, Buffy, and yeah. you've got Freddie Prince Jr., who for all intent and purpose, when you first saw him in She's All That, you went, this guy's going to be real famous. Like yes. he was on the cover of every teen beat and Tiger or whatever and like posters everywhere. He was all over MTV. He was like obnoxiously handsome, but also like pretty cool, like he was a guy that like guys liked because he just seemed like a cool guy. He's like a good dude. He didn't seem like a jerk. And then they got married. They're married. They've been married like forever. And Freddie Prince Jr. is like a Star Wars nerd and she's Buffy. And I just assumed they would always be around. And they're not. Neither of them. Are they still married? They're still married. They got beautiful little kids and like a fun Instagram. Like they're a ton of fun. Hmm. But if you look at their like basically... Uh, 52 acting credits for Freddie and 62 for Sarah. Sarah's done more stuff. Freddie's only had four roles since 2015, if you don't include all the voiceover work he does for Star Wars and Robot Chicken. And there's only five roles for Sarah, if you don't include all the voiceover work she does for Star Wars and Robot Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I don't know. This just, like, in thinking about this, Freddie Prince Jr. and and Lillard both came to my head. And I'm like, all right, these are guys that are 90s guys that should have been bigger, and I don't know why they weren't. And looking into Freddie Prince Jr., like him and Sarah just had kids and they sort of stopped, but like their kids are like kind of getting older and they're both awesome. And he's, he has one of my favorite rants about star Wars of all time. It was on like a podcast that if you haven't seen, just look up Freddie Prince star Wars podcast. And it's like a solid seven minutes of him owning people that hate the reboots. And it's so, it's so good. He like goes on a tangent about why you don't get to be mad that you're older now and understand things that the kids watching it and do like them now didn't. Like just about like that you like it didn't grow up for you. It's still for the people it was that you were when you saw the first ones. It's just like really elegant. He's also like really tied into that world. Like he works with the Star Wars team a lot. Him and George Lucas have become friends and stuff. Partially, I think, because of like what a nerd he is. Uh, But these two were just such a nostalgic pick. And there was one other that I'll do in Pong that probably, not probably, there's one I have in Pong that is the actual pick I'd rather make as far as seeing an actor or actress come back for sure. But being able to double these two because they're a couple and married just felt fun and like cheating. And so I really want either one of them or both. Have them both come back. I don't care. (laughs) I love it. Uh, I will will fess up right now. I won't talk any more about this, but very briefly, I almost did a a couple thing also, but mine were a father and son duo. And what I I had really sitting there in Pong until like yesterday, I wanted some kind of resurgence together of uh, uh, Jake and Gary Busey. Oh, man. That's fun. That's actually a lot yeah. of fun. That would have been a lot of fun. But the reality is I just want them like once. I don't 
Like right. I don't really, I don't need a lot of the Buseys. Just no. a little more than just a little more Busey. That's very fun. And, and the reason, like that, actually makes me feel even better about this pick because the truth is, I would take either or both, either and or both. Like they're both really good. Like there's no reason that they were both very, very good. I mean, very campy '90s stuff, but like they're yeah. good. Yeah, I feel good about this pick. Actually, the more I talk about it's it. a good pick, buddy. <laughs> no, Sarah Michelle Geller was is a good one. Actually, when I was talking uh, with Ari about ideas, she had said that because she, I, I was a big Buffy fan. And I sort of was like, I just don't know if she's really like a mature actress or not kind of thing. And so I just let it fade. It's in my notes, but uh, that, that's where she's at. Yeah, fair. All right. That was a good one. All right. So we'll go to 19, December 1968. Okay. From, from Indiana. Okay. I have a hunch you might know all of this person's work. So I really had to struggle. I'm guessing what you might not know because this is more your generational wheelhouse than mine. But okay. this is an actor I always really liked seeing on screen. So let's see if Glory Days, spelled D-A-Z-E, the, mm-hmm. the Affleck one. Yep. And Blast from the Past. You said 1968? Correct. All right. So I have, I think I know who this is. Because I also, if it's who I think it is, I have this person in my pong. Well, my five words are, why won't Hollywood cast him? Okay, so Brendan Fraser. Correct. Yeah, so the two that I were going to give you were was Bedazzled and Airheads, and my yeah, five words were going to be, hmm, uh, oh, no, I can't do it, but you belong to my friend Link, which is a really, really stupid reference, basically just for my sister and anybody who saw Encino Man. Please talk about Brendan Fraser. Well, I definitely saw Encino Man. So the Why Won't Hollywood Cast Him joke is for those of you who aren't movie nerds like JT and I, if, if you're ever on some article on any, like, any movie website that has like those, uh, the tabula or whatever links at the bottom, you are guaranteed to see an article that's titled, why won't Hollywood cast Brendan Fraser? Always. And I, I noticed in, I think it was in April was his birth. It was April or May was his birthday. Cause it was like trending on, on, on the lo-fi's Twitter feed was like Brendan Fraser. And of course you have that first instinct was like, I hope he's not dead. Cause that's what happens when someone's trending on Twitter. That's right. But as it turned out, it was his birthday. And like the, it was tre- like, it was one of those like tens of thousands of tweets and fans, like sharing their favorite gifts of him and everything. And so here's his run. Uh, by the way, last notable title, 2008 Inkheart, which was a flop. Yeah. So he starts his career off. This is an interesting pairing. I noticed two movies a year ready for these three pairings. First pairing is Encino Man and School Ties. Okay. Like heavy coming of age drama paired with most one of the most ridiculous nonsensical comedies of all time. And I love it. Yep. Radmobile. Uh, love Radmobile. Do not squeeze the, the juice. <laughs> I think Encino Man is under. We should, we should rewatch that, see if it's even remotely watchable. Next pairing, Airheads. Yep. Same, you know, whatever comedy. And a movie called With Honors, which if you didn't see, it was like Patrick Dempsey and... Pretty good. Yeah. Decent movie. Good song from Madonna in that one. Also true. We then move ahead. And again, Glory Days is paired with The Scout, which wasn't like super, super whatever. Good. But still, I'm just saying in his first six most prominent roles, the man showed rage. Yep. He then goes to do George of the Jungle, which is actually a ton of fun and totally watch it with your kids. It's got some conflicts. So give it a couple more years. Uh, the Mummy, where he you know pulls off a pretty decent, 
No, he's no Indiana. Let's be let's be to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. There's not the Mummy Jones or whatever his character. I don't think he played the Mummy. That was Vaslu. Uh, and then he does a movie. He does Dudley Do Right. He does Bedazzled. He does The Mummy Returns, and he's kind of done. And this is another one where I'm glad I did the research because basically he was um, he has a Me Too issue in 2003. Some uh, I don't remember if it was a casting agent or a producer but basically had a, uh, an inappropriate encounter that he could not figure out how his way, his way out of and actually tried to stand up for himself and got shut down by Hollywood. Basically, oh, no. like, you don't speak about these things in the public. So oh, I had no idea. So that's why he won't get hired. <laughs> yeah. So back in, so in 2018, when Me Too was, was more prominent, he actually joined the movement. Like he published a whole thing in GQ about what happened and name names and the whole deal. And hopefully we'll get, uh, hopefully the mummy will return oh, one more time. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, so I had him upon, this is a great pick. Love Brendan Fraser. Very much my wheelhouse. Like everything Brendan, like dude, Bedazzled is such an underrated stupid movie, but it's so good. Agreed. Um, I So he's in Doom Patrol, which I have started watching. And it's pretty good. He's good. Like it's, I actually like, I'm not a DC guy. I don't know much about the universe. So I'm coming in cold to it, but it's fun. And he is Cliff Steele or robot man is actually really interesting. Like it's actually a lot of fun. Um, I was so psyched that he was back. I'm like, dude, you, there's like a, I have my sister and I literally, it's funny. Like a week ago, I called her to sing the, you belong to my friend Link song for shoe fly, just because <laughs> there was a fly in my house and I needed someone to pick up the reference because nobody in my house did. Uh, this is a great pick. I love it. Nice. Yeah, I, I actually sort of thought he might be in yours just because he's such a 90s. Like, let's face it, if he'd been acting the past 20 years, he'd be at least a Nick Cage level prominence. Yeah, easy. You know? Easy. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd probably be bigger than that because he doesn't have the hilarity of of Nick Cage. Like, he, I think he'd be more like Dennis Quaidy. I think he just would have been like that sort mm. of, I've been working the whole time and have decent range. Like, I think he'd be doing... A bunch of pretty good, but not great movies. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Good call. All right. Uh, my next one is December 31st of 1959. I will give you for the second time today, The Doors and Heat. <laughs> so this was a, this, yeah, I got it. Okay. This, what's your five words there? Uh, that's magic. It smells terrible. I'm assuming this is Val Kilmer. It's Val Kilmer. Yeah, that's that's a Mad Mardigan line. One of my favorites. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had him. I I I can't fully explain why he fell out of my list because I I think I love Val Kilmer far more than you do because of Real Genius, which is one of my absolute favorite movies. But as I kept going through the list, I, I sort of like he just kept falling out for some reason. I don't know. Totally Good choice. I, I love it because I love Val Kilmer. Yeah, so the whole thing with Kilmer for me is, so he's got 105 acting credits. This is a, another guy, kind of like Clive Owen, although I think it's it's a little bit different. So he's only had eight total credits since 2015. And if you look at the, the 93 to 99 run, this particular six-movie run of True Romance, Tombstone, Heat, Island of Dr. Moreau, The Saint, and At First Sight. Now, The Saint, eh, you know, whatever. It but, was okay. Hold but, on a second. It yeah. was okay. Well, that's it's an underrated action movie. That's the thing is I think people thought it was going to be better than it wound up being, but it was still actually pretty good. Like the Saints yeah. a pretty good movie. 
It's at least as good as the two Born Identity sequels. I'll say that. Yeah, I think that's actually it's, perfectly said. That's perfectly yeah, said. It's right in there. So, first of all, did you did you know that Val Kilmer turned down Dirty Dancing? No. So, only piece of trivia I think I pulled out for the, all of this stuff. So, he literally turned it down, and his reasoning was, I don't want to be seen as a Hollywood hunk. How crazy is that? Val Kilmer in that movie is a different movie. Uh, I love Val Kilmer, whether it be Mad Mardigan. My favorite role of his is uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is like one of my favorite, favorite movies. Mm-hmm. He is so damn funny in that movie. I mean, it's so good. He has a couple of lines that I cannot say on this podcast, but he has a couple of lines in that movie that are like, stop you in your tracks, well-delivered and hilarious. When that movie came out, I thought we were, I thought Val Kilmer was back. Same. Same. Yeah. That yeah. movie came out and I was like, cool, Val's back. Let's go, Mad Mardigan. Like, I'm on for this. I'm, I'm here for this ride. And he just sort of still doesn't do a ton of stuff. I've read some stuff about him being not particularly wonderful to work with. But then also, like, Warwick Davis has been all over the place being like, that was like it was a long time ago. But he's like, dude, he's one of his favorite people he's ever worked with. He's like, oh, my God, Val was the best. He was so funny. He takes it so seriously. And I think that's part of the thing is like, like Vincent D'Onofrio is like famously impossible to work with because he's a crazy person. And I think like Val Kilmer also has that same method sort of type thing where he really gets in character. So he's probably hard to deal with at times because that's just like, that's the process, I guess. But everything he does, he's just, he has, first of all, uh, arguably, we're not going to do this today, but I think he might be the best Bruce Wayne ever. Forget Batman, that's, that's off the table, but he is a really good Bruce Wayne. Uh, he has all of the I'm an A-list Hollywood star things, right? Yep. Chiseled jawline, big intimidating dude, also seems to be like very soft. He's very soft-spoken. He can be really scary. He like he just has all of the elements where you look at him and go, like if someone's like, he's the biggest actor in the world, I think most people would look at him and go, all right, like it would make sense. And I don't know, for some reason, I felt like he had this trajectory where we were going to see Val Kilmer become like a I'm going to be around forever guy. And they just sort of like leveled out. And now he's kind of like guys like us get excited when he does a movie, which is cool, but I'd rather he just do more movies. Agreed. I I think the things you read on him being hard to work with from he's considered one of the worst to work with is actually the, 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 when I went reading some other stuff, there are people like, again, people love him. But the people who don't really don't. Really and don't. if you read anything about The Island of Dr. Moreau, which I saw opening night, I'll have you know. Nice. Yeah, not my favorite opening night movie to have to have seen. I mean, oh, that no. thing was awful. Yeah. But everything about working on that, now you have both him and Brando. Like, I think that probably killed his career. That's my hunch. Yeah, and it, it, it would track if you look at what happens after that, right? After it came out. Yeah. But, I mean, Brando also notoriously... An interesting person. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's the thing. I think if you are that person in Hollywood, you need to be providing bank every time you go up. You know, you got to be batting like 800. You can't be batting. You can't be a solid 300 batter. You got to be out there. Yeah, I think, yeah, that level of eccentricity has to come with guaranteed performance, right? I mean, that's like the, you know, Bale being kind of hard to work with, but it's like, yeah, but he's kind of Christian Bale. So, you know, I guess we're going to kind of deal with this for the next like six months. Versus if it's like that and then you get like an island of Dr. Moreau or even the Saint, which like just wasn't as well received as it should have been. Yeah, it probably just stunted him. But again, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I'm just gonna like every time anybody says anything about him, I'm going to say, go watch him in that performance and tell me you don't want more of that guy on your screen all the time. 
And Real Genius. And of Let's course. never forget Real, Real genius. genius. And Mad Mardigan. Listen, Mad Mardigan's one of the best characters ever. That's not Agreed. true. But I like him a lot. <laughs> All right. What, that was 69? Is that what, you, what year we had? Or 61? 59. He was 59. 59. All right. Well, July 1969, coming straight out of the Bronx. Love it. Again, I'm pretty sure you're going to get this person because I don't know how to... I, I couldn't find roles that you wouldn't know unless I went to like weird, like movies no one's heard of, kind of like the st- streaming onlys kind of. So I'll give you Anaconda. Okay. And The Wedding Planner. Anaconda and The Wedding Planner. Uh, the only person I can think of immediately because you said Bronx is Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, this is a good pick. So here's what, by the way, my five words were one of the flyest girls. Also true. Great reference. Thank you. So her last notable title, Monster in Law 2005. Prior to that, The Cell from 2000. Yep. So I thought about this a lot. And this is going to be a pick that people are listening. are like, J-Lo's still pretty big, y'all. Because she is. But let's go through two things. First, I want to just, here's, here's the run. Money Train, which was a mediocre Woody Harrelson, kind of fun, but not as good as it should have been kind of movie. That would be your great reboot. Reboot that Money Train. Would be a great reboot. I agree. Yeah, just just fix it up. And then uh, Selena, Anaconda, which is again like a like a sort of a D level crazy action movie. It's Ice Cube, I think, is in that one. That's yeah, Ice Cube. But people liked it. You yeah. know, and yeah. Out of sight, which we'll come back to, The Cell, Wedding Planner, Made in Manhattan, Jiggly, oops, uh, Shall We Dance Reboot, and Monster in Law. Here's what I wrote. And this is one of those rare times where I really thought I, I wanted something. JT, I wrote something, okay? I'm into it. So Jayla went from this sultry smart, like, oh my goodness, such a smart, phenomenal performance in Out of Sight. You, you've, you're familiar with Out of Sight, right? She was amazing in it, right? She plays this character, Karen Sisko, and she's just smart and she owns the screen. And she was paired with George Clooney, and I'm going to say she owns this movie. Like, this is her vehicle. I'd agree. And then she basically goes into this sort of what I'm going to call pouty rom-com irrelevance, right? And my parallel for her, and who almost made my list, and I'm sort of sneaking her in via this reference right now, is Kate Hudson, oh. who does the same thing with Almost Famous, and then also... I'll bet you if I had said, I'll bet you if we, we could have one of those who's in this, J-Lo or Kate Hudson or Katherine Heigl kind of things, you'd be like, I don't know, right? Either of them should have been an Emma Stone or Scarlett Johansson. And so I don't know if it's her or her manager. Like I was looking at Emma Stone's career. She's never taken any parts ever that make her effectively an interchangeable actress, Right. And that's what those silly rom-coms did for these women, I think. And again, it could be that they just grew up in the wrong time for Hollywood yeah. to to do the right things with them. Um, so, you, you know, you know, you never see Emma Stone in a role and they're like, oh, that could have just been so-and-so, right? It's an yeah. Emma Stone performance. Like, who else could have done La La Land? Yes, Scarlett Johansson could have pulled it off. Charlize Theron could have pulled it off. But it would have been a totally different movie. Yeah, you're right. right? So I want, not just do I want J-Lo back in the prominence because she is a prominent person, 
but I want this smart J-Lo who is choosing her career and blowing us away on screen, not just taking, I mean, again, her performances are fine. They're, they're, they're okay. Like it's okay, but it's kind of who cares roles. Whereas I still can think about out of sight right now. And I could still picture the scene of her and Clooney at the, at the window, having this deep talk and it's snowing outside and just, she is there. And it's like all about her at the time where Clooney was becoming a rocket ship. Yeah. I love this pick. JLo was in, is, uh, was in my pong uh, because the tough thing with her, the reason that I couldn't slide her into my top five is just because it wasn't like she stopped working. She's a multi like sport player. Right. Yeah. Like, so she just like, she's Bo Jackson. So she was just like, well, I'm just going to do baseball now. And so she just like really turned into the music side and like, look, Monster in Law is actually a really cute rom com. Like, she did some cute stuff. Specifically, like, this is my generation. J Lo's right in my yeah. house. Uh, I agree with you, though. She's a better actor than she allowed herself to become. And yes. I would be a hundred percent into her coming back and like taking it more seriously. Hundred percent. Nice. Yeah, Jenny from the block. All right, <laughs> uh, my last one. I yeah, I don't think this is controversial. I think it's fine. Uh, May thirty first, nineteen seventy six. I will give you Daredevil and Crazy Heart. Crazy Heart. That that is Nick Cage, isn't it? I think he's in that, yeah. Daredevil. Uh Crazy Heart. I, I know these movies, but I'm not sure who you're thinking of. So give me your five words. Crockett, Ray, Thomas W. Hart. Crockett. Is this uh, Don Johnson? No. Born in 76, so this is before, this is after Donnie. But he reprised a role of Don Johnson's in a very poorly adapted film version of that show. Wait, is this um, Colin Farrell? This is Colin Farrell. Oh, he's faded, hasn't he? So here's the thing. Uh, he has 64 acting credits. He's done like, he just recently did one of the Wizards of something, something, some sort of Harry Potter spinoff. I don't know what he did. He did something recently where he like was around. Um, but Colin Farrell, to me, the run from 2002 to 2008 is Minority Report, Phone Booth. Phone Booth, which I think is a highly underrated movie for his performance. The Recruit. Absolutely. The Recruit, which I loved. In Bruges, Same. which I loved. And then Same. Pride and Glory. Like, if you look at that little run, that looks like rocket ship territory. That looks like, oh, we're about to get us a whole lot of Colin Farrell. Nope, we didn't. He still works, right? He did the, you know, he did the true crime stuff on, on HBO. Like he's done some TV shows. He's he's still a great actor. I think people still respect him. But like if you had told me in that run, in 2000, the middle of 2000 something, that in the late 2010s, Matthew McConaughey would have an Oscar and Colin Farrell would be kind of working, I would have laughed in your face, right? Because at that point, McConaughey's doing Failure to Launch and Fool's Gold, both with Kate Hudson, right? Like he had chosen that path and Farrell had just been on screen and I thought one on screen with Tom Cruise. His performance in Phone Booth is so crazy because he's by himself. Like it's just a one-man show for two hours of that movie, Right, held his own in the recruit really well in Bruges. Yes. I still, it's so that little run. I'm just like, dude, this guy's an absolute monster. And then he did Miami Vice, which was like, but why? 
<laughs> but it should have been, right? Because that's Michael Mann. Like, right. Miami Vice was just, it was, the truth is, Miami Vice wasn't bad. It was just, just didn't need, I think it's like, that didn't need to be, right? But it wasn't a bad choice to do, like, doing Michael Miami Vice with Michael Mann was not, was one of those things, like, no actors are saying no to that. Yeah, and listen, it's right. him and Jamie Foxx, both of whom at the time are like yep. kind of rocket shipping. So like for all intent and purpose, that should have been a really good movie. And it wasn't a terrible movie, but I think you said it perfectly. It's just a matter of like, you could have just not done it, right? right. But like Colin Farrell is, he's enigmatic, man. Like like he's just like, he's, I don't know, like any, any Johnny Depp role he could probably do. I think you could slide him into a lot of these like cop sort of E-roles. Like he has a bit of a weird streak. I think I think Jeremy Renner is an interesting parallel for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Renner's a bad guy now, so let's get rid of Renner and we'll take oh, Farrell back. Yeah, apparently, I think he's not great. Uh, yes. So yeah, Farrell. Could, by the way, Farrell. Like, let's put him in the MCU somewhere. I love him as a bad guy. He's a really, really good bad guy because he just has that sort of. I mean, he's got that sort of like. He's got that Irish edge. Like he just has yeah. a little bit of like the fact that he wasn't in Peaky Blinders is like beyond me. Like he's just a lot of fun. <laughs> And right. he's definitely like a weird guy, but like in a fun way. And it comes across on screen. Like he has been in movies with really, really huge, well-known, well-respected actors. And I've never watched, I even liked him in SWAT, which is a bad movie, but he was great in SWAT. Like he's just good. I just really like Colin Farrell. And I, I feel like I want, I want 2002 to 2006 Colin Farrell back. I think we should give him that opportunity. And I think he'd rise to the occasion. I think that's a fair fair one. I think he's also, by the way, in the difficult to work with category. I, I, didn't he throw a phone at some? Oh no, that's Russell Crowe. That was Russell Crowe. No, Colin Farrell has, uh, from what I have read and what I have heard, had like I think he had a little bit of a booze problem for a bit there. But like everybody on True Detective seemed to like him a lot. Like they, hmm. all those interviews seemed to go well. And look, I mean, he also like I think he did some of the date celebrities do weird rehabby thing for a bit in the middle there, which I'm sure probably didn't help. Which that's just like Hollywood. Like RDJ came out of it, but I could see an RDJ type of thing for him, where it's like you did really really well in the beginning, you've got a weird middle thing in the end, and then you come back and like when your life's together and you're like an adult with like family and stuff, and then you just start nailing what you were actually good at, which was acting in the first place. Like I'd love to see that arc for Colin. I've I've got my MCU part for him by the way. While you were Ooh. saying that. I want him as Doctor Doom. Oh, absolutely. Nailed yeah. it. Especially because whenever you've got the non-mask stuff, you've got like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, all right. So how, how did I do? I was afraid because before the podcast, you were like, I did a lot of research. Did I sound okay? Because I felt like Dude. I wasn't going to hold the candle today. <laughs> you're, you're, there's no, I will have no, if you, if we were to edit something out other than that bizarrely awkward intro, it would be the self-deprecating, I'm not ready for this episode. You crushed it, my friend. Right, well, the intro's staying. So this, this, all right. Stay uh, all right, let's get into Pong. All right. So now for our Basically, the next top five, we don't give them as much air time, but we like them too. And we sort of cheat when we say top five. Yeah. It's really like a top 10, but we only dive in on five. Basically. But I'm calling it, it's, it's still five. Yeah. Okay. So I've already, okay, so I already used my, I had Meg Ryan here. Okay. I'll say just one thing that I meant to say earlier. The thing I want her to do, when I said my five words were, tell us about Sally today. I think a whether it's a movie or a series, but like I love this idea that Harry and Telly actually stayed together or whatever you want to write about them. And maybe he passed away young and she's just kind of older and alone and like 
whether she's in New York City, I don't know what she's doing, but I think like the continuing adventures of Sally, maybe it's even like a fake Instagram kind of thing. And it's not like a full on movie. It's just sort of vignettes, but it's such a fun character that she created. And I, I don't want to remake. I don't want to reboot because this is one of those things like the Cobra Kai thing. You're now 30 something years or 25 or whatever years later. So you've got that same character. You don't have to mess with the past. You don't take away from when Harry met Sally, which I know again, is more my movie than yours. But Sally's story or whatever, and you and you don't revisit. You just from picking up from today, you you know you don't don't do flashbacks, no cameos, none of it. It's just a, it's just the same character. I love the idea of the opening scene being at the funeral, and then you just follow her through the transact, like the, the transition of grief into doing her life the way she is and finding herself as a person. Like that's just a cool storyline in general. And because of how important Sally is to your generation specifically, and like a lot of people in general, I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. And, and you, and you can't make it like a, this is us or one of these, no, tra- or, or, or even like a Transamerica, you make it more like a Kaminsky method or something that kind of like, it's got some, it's got some heft to it, but it, but mostly it, you're having fun watching it. It'd be afterlife. It would, it would be yeah. Ricky Gervais's yeah. afterlife. You'd have to follow that same kind of line. Yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. I love that. Cool. So that's my first pong. All right. Uh, so I have Brendan Fraser, so I'll skip to the next one, which is February 12th, 1980. I'll give you uh, Now and Then and The Hard Way. Uh, I... Gonna take a go out on the limb and say you're thinking. Are you? I'm, I might be troubled if this is the one you're thinking. Is this James Woods? No, 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 no. Okay, because he's a bad person. Yeah, no, he's a bad person. Uh, no, so uh, the five words are favorite day of the week. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Thursday? Hump day. Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. As huh? in Wednesday Adams, as in Christina Ricci. You don't like her. No, but I'm interested in her coming back. She was a big <laughs> deal. <laughs> she was a big deal to my generation. And at the time, we all liked her. I think she's weird since. Like, she gives the weirdest interviews of all time. But, like, she's in Casper, and she was uh, Wednesday Adams, and she was a, she was in Black Snake Moan for a hot minute, where it was like, oh, she's here in the thing, and then, like, nothing, and she's kind of weird. I think as the representative of the fringe millennial people that Christina Ricci, I want to see what she does. Okay. I accept. So wait, did you, you still have five full pongs though? Cause, or did you, you have, I got after th- that you have, I have three, three left more? now. Yep. Oh, but I still have four left. Well, because I also, I had both JLo and Brendan Fraser as my backups and you, you uh, used them. So. All right. Well then I'll, I'll just go to you. So, I'll, okay. No problem. No problem. No problem. January 1980, born in California, knocked uh, up and despicable me. Ooh. Oh, wait, we're not supposed to do the titles for this? No, we, we kind of have to because just doing five words isn't going to really help. Yeah. Uh, I have, I mean, I know both those movies pretty well. Taught us to slap bass. Oh, Paul Rudd? No, because Paul Rudd's still crushing it. Oh, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel. Yeah. Who hasn't really done anything since 2014. Yeah, that's and, true. But by the way, this is an even crazier run than other people. So between '99 and 2014, he does "Cannot Hardly Wait." Yeah, he does "Knocked Up," "Forgetting Sarah Marshall," "I Love You, Man," some meth things, "The Muppets," and effectively personally reboots "The Muppets." 
this is 40. This is the end. And then sex tape is sort of his last little thing, also in 2014. And all the while he's doing those movies, which are all successful and, you know, A-list level movies, he's doing back-to-back Freaks and Geeks, Undeclared, uh, a, a short stint in CSI, and How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Like, that man double worked everything for like 15 years. Yeah, I, I, I like this pick. Uh, he just got Apatowed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. just did all the Apatow movies, and he was good in all of them, and I really do love him. Um, but I think that's why I didn't think of him. I guess I didn't realize he hasn't worked in that long, but now that I'm thinking about it, like, yeah, I can't think of the last thing I saw him in that was recent, what would have been the Muppet stuff. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. 14. Uh, okay, this one was a controversial one, but that's why it's in Pong. June 28th, 1966, uh, True Colors and The Thin Red Line. Sean Penn. Uh, five words were mixtape <laughs> and boombox master. John Cusack. Yeah. John Cusack hasn't worked the way that John Cusack worked for a long time. And I think I could make an argument that he should come back again. He's at that like Dennis Quaid level. He should just always be. He's never going to be your top of the top of the Hollywood whatever. But he's up there. Yeah. But the thing is, is like he used to be more up there and now I feel like he doesn't do much of anything or what he does do feels like he's picking his spots, which is probably true. And that's probably by his design. But like John Cusack is very interesting. He's an interesting dude. And so I'd like to see him more. That's a good one. Uh, May 1963 from Ontario, Canada. Two roles I'll give you are Inglorious Bastards and Bohemian Rhapsody. Whoa. Uh, oh my god! I didn't know there was any people in that. That that's a that's a really good two movie poll because I'm I'm totally lost right now. Go ahead. For the five words, only need one word. Groovy. Mike Myers. Yes. Isn't he a bad person? Uh, no. In fact, upon research, so he's basically choosing not to do stuff um he did here's the crazier part though we all think of mike myers as like on top of the world right yeah he did wayne's world in 1992 austin powers in 1997 shrek in 2001 and then love guru in 2008 and granted tons of sequel work throughout but he only actually made four characters and the fourth one was a flop and Sort of just been laying on the sidelines. There are some interviews with him fairly recently, and there's all there. There's always the headline that's like Mike Myers isn't going to do comedy ever again and stuff like that. And they're basically all fully out of context. And he's like, Nah, I just don't want to do any of this stuff. He's chilling. All right, good. Well, I'm glad to hear he's not a bad guy. He's uh, in my mind. I mean, listen, Austin Powers is like a seminal thing for my entire generation. Uh, also, just his face while standing next to Kanye West. <laughs> it's like a thing that I will probably never forget uh, when Kanye West did, just announced uh, something about our president. Um, all right. Next one is kind of a fun pick. August 26, 1980. Giving you movies for him is impossible. But uh, Richie Rich and Saved. Richie Rich and Saved. What year? He was born in 1980. Is it Macaulay Culkin? Yeah, so my five words were owner of Ryan Gosling Apparel because they had that fun internet thing yeah, where yeah, they kept yeah. putting shirts of each other. Uh, yeah, Macaulay Culkin, like I love his his brother Kieran is killing it um, right. on, on, succession, on Succession, by the way. It's such a good show. Uh, he is fascinating 
Uh, he did the whole dated Mila Kunis thing. He's been an artist. He's been in bands. He does like playful banter with people online a lot. Like he's fun. He seems relatively well adjusted. And I kind of want to know if he can act because he was arguably the most impressive child actor of all time. Like maybe Shirley Temple, like he was a big deal and he was really acting like it's kid acting, but like it's good. Now the world has changed. And now we have like Abigail Breslin, who's a monster and like Dakota Fanning uh, and Saoirse Ronan. Like we've seen more of that, but just nostalgically, I would like to see Macaulay Culkin actually like, get rid of his child stardom thing and do like one or two big things really well so that that's what he gets remembered as instead of the Michael Jackson and home alone stuff. All right. I like that. And, and good job on getting Saoirse Ronan referenced. What's, what's the streak now? How many episodes? In uh, a row? As many as possible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny. I actually had him and Haley Joel Osment as my looking around and Haley Joel Osment's actually doing stuff also uh, and has one crazy beard. Yeah, he was just in The Boys. He just did a he just did a guest spot in The Boys, and it was actually pretty fun. Yeah, I have to watch The Boys. I, it, it's still sitting there in the queue of the queue. I'm finishing Money Heist first. That's the, that's the one that I got to get get out of the way. Makes sense. It's, it's great. It's great, brother. Um, all right, so I have two to go. I will give you a hint that the next two are more known for TV work than movie work, but these days okay. that's that sort of counts to me. July 1976, from New Mexico. Two titles are AI and Hearts War. Ooh. Which aren't going to help you at all. No, Hearts War, actually, Yeah, but I think he's got like a tiny role. I had to stretch. The five words are best directed by Billy Walsh. Ooh. That's that's a fun clue that I'm not going to get, but all of – I can hear – your friend group going, ah! uh, I don't know. Oh, no, your, your friend group too, buddy. Okay. Billy Walsh is a fictional director. I Now you've really lost me. Um, so my original clue was the one true Aquaman. The one true Aquaman? Oh, this isn't your show. So my this is Adrian Grenier from Entourage. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I do like him. Um... I do like him, but yeah, I forgot that that was a thing. All I'm going to say is if his first name was Chris, I went looking at him. Uh, like he's doing some farming, eco farming stuff now, which and seems to be living a pretty chill life. But basically, if his first name was Chris, he'd be one of the Chris's because A, he's splitting image. For, he's like a brunette Chris Pine. Yep. But he'd be up there with the Evans and the Hemsworths and the Pratts and all that. And like, there's no reason he is not an, a Hollywood leading man. But he got so typecast as as Vinny Chase that he couldn't get out of it. Yeah, I yeah, Entourage is, is just one of those shows that I just absolutely stayed away from for no particular reason because I like most of the people in it. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. I know a lot of people really like him. All right, this is my last one. And I, I mentioned this earlier. Um, this actor is the person that I, I almost snuck in and should have instead of Freddie Prince and Sarah Michelle Gellar, but this was they were more fun. April 30th, 1982, uh, The Virgin Suicides and Wag the Dog. Ooh, gosh, I, I don't even remember. The, all I remember, like, dog, I, I only remember De Niro, basically. All right. What, do you have five words? Yeah. Receiver of upside down kisses. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. 
So I won't get into it, but like I could have made a, a much more compelling argument for why I actually would rather see her have a real career resurgence as opposed to Prince and Geller. They were just more fun. I really like Kirsten Dunst a lot. Um, she was like a like a, a big deal my generation wise. Like her, Julia Stiles, both. I I, oh, I could have used either of them. I landed on her. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I adored her. I thought she was such a good actress. She was so much fun. She was so approachable. She seemed, she, she like seemed like a good person. Everyone who's ever worked with her said she was great. So yeah, Kirsten does. Uh, I had, um, I had the other one on my, on my going list for a while. Julia Stiles. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. I yeah, actually I like got to hang out with her at a party in New York city once. And she, a really can dance and B is like the sweetest person on the planet. Nice. Well, this person is not the sweetest person on the planet. Okay. May, born May of 1992. They're like nine from, years old. Yeah, from Ireland. And his singular movie appearance of note is Batman Begins. Oh, uh, he, Jack Leeson. Jack Leeson. <laughs> My five words were worse than worse than Atherton, Zabka, and Gleeson. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is, uh, it's King Joffrey. This is King Joffrey, who retired from acting by being King Joffrey, but I'm going to say should have stuck around and just been the bad guy in everything. Just, just own it. Just be, just, just be the Hans Gruber's mm -hmm. and the mean principals and like do comedies, do actions, do doesn't matter. Like he was so good. And if he could get into that mindset of just having fun with it, he'd like, he'd be a great Lex Luthor one day. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, all that stuff, every especially if you get roles where he gets to like toy with his enemies. Ah, how much fun, dude! I yeah, I understand. Like as a big advocate of mental health, I'm a fan of him stepping away. That of being course. that being said, <laughs> I've never hated a character as much as I hated him, and it's because of the way he played it. This is like yeah. I really don't think people appreciate how amazing that kid stepped into that role. Like it is unbelievable how good he was at being a little jerk. <laughs> like, yes. Like, yes. It was yes. so good. This is actually low key, probably my favorite pick of the day. Cause this is like a really fun one. He was better than Malfoy, better than like, come on. He was evil. Yeah. He was evil and so much fun to watch. Oh, vitriolic, like, like vitriolic yeah. hatred from that kid. And it was so good. All right. Uh, this is actually, this was a really, really fun episode. Uh, we are running long, which I knew we would do because we missed each other. You forgot to ask me something, buddy. I didn't forget. I was about to ask you, what are we doing next week? No, before that. You remember, remember we were chatting and I told you I accidentally had done, started doing research on someone that I really wanted in my top five and then, you know, they're dead? Oh, yeah. I don't remember that at all, but I believe it happened. <laughs> so that was uh, Paul Gleason, the janitor from, not the janitor, the principal from the principal. Breakfast Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like... Man, even as an old guy, I'd love to see him. Just, you know, whether he's a grizzly veteran, like a Clint Eastwood style, get off my lawn, whatever. And uh, unfortunately, Mr. Gleason's been been uh, deceased for quite some time, actually, since the early 2000s. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Rest in peace. We, uh, I, I miss you, buddy. He was great. Listen, I mean, not that anybody, again, it's not a visual medium, but I have the the my my Scottish uh, cow behind me that has the horns and I make the, you mess with the bull, you get the horns reference all the time. So God bless the guy. Uh, listen, he had a lasting impact, which is good. But uh, speaking of lasting impacts and bad transitions, uh, we do need to pick one for next week and it is definitely your turn to do so. So my friend, what are we doing next week? 
Next week is uh, is one I've been sitting on for a little while, but I feel like the timing could be fun for it. We're going to do, you know, there's, how many movies are in, when there's a run of movies, JT, what, how many do you usually have in, in a, like, what would be a set of movies if it were? I would usually say it usually lands on three. Yeah. For some reason, the trilogy is the format of choice, not the quadrology or quintology, but the trilogy is the, the general working unit. And most of the time, the first one's great and the rest are kind of phoned in. But today or next week, we're going to determine what are some of the top five third parts of a trilogy? Nice. I like third part. That's fun. That's so, a lot of fun. Uh, what about the Fast and Furious ology? Can we just do like, can we chop it into thirds? <laughs> even if we, even if you were, you're still going with Tokyo Drift. So we know that's off the list. Right. Uh, no, that's actually a lot of fun. I'm trying like in my head already, I'm trying to think of like, now, the only question I have, do they have to be genuine, like, trilogies, or could they be... So it has to be, like, a one of a part three. It can't be, like, three movies that are all in the same universe, and this is the third one that came out. Correct. Like, it can't be the third James Bond movie. Like, okay. The Fast and the Furious, would I would just actually say no. Right, right, right. Um, and... Since it's not yet out in theaters, you could argue The Matrix is still a trilogy, even though we know a fourth is coming. Right. I also know there's no way you're picking Matrix 3 as anything, so Absolutely it's cool. Absolutely not. <laughs> but that, that, that would be our guidelines for the week. All right. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, all right. So, look, we definitely missed people because, like, the people ones are hard because they're so, it's so open to interpretation. So, please, on the Twitters, on the Instagram, Lo-Fi Top 5, tell us who we missed. Uh, also, don't tell us about your favorite or least favorite trilogies until next week because it will influence my list because I'm very easily swayed when it comes to things like this. But as always, Jeremy, it is lovely to have you back. Thank you for being part of the Lo-Fi Top 5, and we'll see you next week. I want to see pom-poms from the stands. Come on, come on. My fingertips and my lips, they burn from the cigarettes. Forest Gump, you run my mind, boy Running on my mind, boy Forest Gump, I know you're forest I know you wouldn't hurt a beetle But you're so buff and so strong I'm nervous, forest